Hey everybody, welcome back to the God XP Spiritual Fitness Podcast. I am here with Darren Starwin. He's a special guest, author of Awakening the Avatar Within, a roadmap to uncovering your superpowers, upgrading your body, and uplifting humanity. Darren is not only an author, but he's also a teacher, a healer, and has led hundreds of workshops and seminars. He has a new website, lightworkministry.com, and I definitely recommend you check it out, it's helping people unlock new levels of consciousness, expand their potential for life. And uh, yeah, just super excited to have you here, Darren. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here with you too. I like what you're doing. I appreciate that. So what, what drew me to you initially, now for people, Darren and I have never met, what drew me to you was the title of your book and uh, Awakening the Avatar Within. That's something that the avatar is a realization, a spiritual realization, I think that I've had and had the idea that we're each here to awaken the avatar within. And so I think it's amazing the work that you're doing. And why don't you tell me a little bit about the origin of your book? Yeah, thanks for asking. Well, this is part of a really long journey for me because I recently turned 70 and I started my spiritual journey very actively when I was a teenager. I actually went to India when I was a teenager and studied with a guru over there and spent several months. That was back at a time where there was a war between Pakistan and India and we were caught up oh, in wow. that war at times. And it was, a, it was quite an experience, but I happened to be with a teacher who was the real deal. This is somebody who really was, they called him a perfect master or a satguru. And he was this teenage boy, younger than me. He's <laughs> actually younger than me. And yet he held this amazing presence. And he had over a million disciples in India and in parts of Europe and USA. And so by a series of circumstances, I was in college at the time, I ended up going over to India and spending time there. And so I'd say it's been a very long journey since then to where I am now writing this, my fourth book. And where this book really came from is it's a combination of a lot of different experiences that I've personally had with, I would call like a channeled messages. I really felt like I was receiving these downloaded messages that were coming to me every day while I was writing this book. And I would just dictate them. I, I would take them down and write them out and they formed a lot of the book. So it's a mixture of my offering with something that comes from what I call these higher spiritual beings. Who that's amazing. Me. You know, I've had a lot of authors on the show and that's one common thread is the book that they wrote tends to be divinely inspired. They say the same thing. I sat down and higher consciousness or God or the, these divine beings gave me the information. I downloaded the information. That's a common thread that I hear that, uh, you know, people on the outside of spiritual topics, let's say they might hear that and be like, Oh, how is that? How is that possible? Or sounds woo. But when you hear people from all over the world have these experiences and then compile a, a, a 10 commandments or what have you, a spiritual receipt from the higher realms, from heaven, from God, the universe, like that, that, that rhyme in every, in, in these people's lives is just so beautiful and refreshing to hear that God works in this way. Yeah. Well, it feels like that there's like a, a real purpose for a lot of these things. Like maybe other people you interview as well. Like each of us has a certain piece of the puzzle. So I feel like right now there is a, the puzzle is really, how are we going to save this planet? And how are we going to get the human race through this time where there's so much destruction and so much suffering that seems to be increasing in so many ways. And we're clearly at a, a giant transition point. And what I understand is that as hard and painful as it is, it's actually, we're moving into this very high consciousness very rapidly. So we're in that process of consciousness ascension. And you and me and each, whatever we're drawn to do is our contribution toward helping us make it. And, and that, that's a very, so that's why I really felt very honored receiving this book and sharing it. And because I, it has some messages in it, which are really different than other spiritual books. That's what people keep telling me. Like there's about 65 five-star reviews on amazon.com for the book that people have spontaneously put there. And if I read what they're saying, I've read so many spiritual books before and I've done all these things and I'm getting a little jaded with it, but this one really seems different. It speaks to me in a new way. So I'm really happy That's to hear amazing. those kind of things. Now, so the title Awakening the Avatar Within. So what led you to the title? Like where does the, where did the realization of the avatar within come from in your life? Yeah, well, 
the avatar is something I heard about when I went to India. I told you when I was a teenager, I heard that term because it's a Sanskrit term and it literally means descent. So it's talking about something at a high level descending into a lower level. And I remember hearing all those stories back then about Lord Krishna and Rama and Buddha and then, you know, about Jesus and these different people that seem to have a much more powerful field of light and huge influence over massive numbers of people and basically changed history. Each one of these avatars changed history. There are female ones too, like Kuan Yin and ones from other traditions, Native American traditions. And so I always knew about that as a concept, but I didn't relate to it personally. I just think, well, these guys must be these superstars that are so far beyond me that I would never be anything like that. That was my original attitude. But then what through the messages I received, I started realizing that, no, it's not just those superstar people like Jesus and Buddha and Krishna, but all of us now have the potential to be an avatar. All of us are the divine descending into human form, but we've been deep asleep, like asleep to our true nature. And there's actually a tab. So there's a word called taboo and taboo is something much stronger than just something you're not supposed to do. That would be a prohibition or a rule. But taboo indicates something that's so deeply hardwired into your subconscious brain that if you even think about doing it, you go into such terror, mm. just back off. And I realized that there's a taboo that people have against knowing themselves as an avatar. There's some kind of way we've been programmed to kind of dumb down the human race. So the idea came that I need to actually write a step-by-step -step manual of how people can break that taboo against knowing who they are and actually step into the living experience of being an avatar. And because most books I read are very flowery, they're very philosophical, or they're all about metaphysical ideas. And, and they, not too many of them are really practical, like telling you, here's exactly mm -hmm. how you do it. So that's what this book that's is. Awesome. Meant to me. That's awesome. So yeah, that's so amazing. Now, the taboo you're talking about, do you, what do you feel that is? That there's a cultural resistance to feeling like or comparing yourself to Jesus, let's say, for example, here in the United States, right? And it's funny because if you're a Christian, you're a mini Christ, right? So the, the culture has driven us to separate ourselves from the guru that brought us into consciousness. And I wonder why that is. But I've had the same realizations of my own, my own realizations of the avatar within, let's say. And I was immediately met in, internally with resistance. I'll be crucified for manifesting that much truth all at once. And uh, that paradigm, that complex goes so far back that I have not yet been able to trace where that deep-seated feeling of resistance to manifesting truth comes from. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up, Anthony, because that is such a common experience. And it's really worth talking about that. So. Because really, in a sense, we, uh, do you remember the movie, The Matrix, mm -hmm. Otter Reeves? Everyone knows that one, right? It's such a popular movie. That movie shifted the consciousness of millions of people because it not only was a great story, but it had these deep truths in it about what's going on with the human race. And the most famous scene is where Neo comes in to see Morpheus and Morpheus offers him these two pills, the red pill and the blue pill. And then basically he says, I know that you've been wondering this question. And then he says, and so he says, what is your question, Neo? And then he says, well, no, 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 he says something about the truth. And then Neo says, what truth are you talking about? He says, the truth is that you're a slave, Neo, and you don't even realize it. And that you think you're free. You think you're living this life, whatever it is, but you're actually a slave. And that if you take the red pill, you'll see the truth of that. And you'll be able to actually wake up and do something about it. So that is so true. I mean, we're really a race. We're, of what I'd call the slave self is controlling most mm -hmm. human beings. And we think we're free. Like I remember a song by John Lennon, because I'm a big Beatles fan from way back, where he said something like, you think you're so clever and classless and free, but you're all just a bunch of peasants <laughs> as far as I can see. <laughs> uh, that was a song, Working Class Hero, back from a long time ago. I think that what he's basically saying is that we think we have so much freedom, but our minds are so programmed by fear and to have an identity that's much smaller than who we actually are. And there's very powerful forces keeping that slavery in place. 
So it takes a lot of courage. It's really a revolutionary act to break out of that taboo and to help other people to do it. But to me, spirituality isn't just something you do to sit down and meditate so you feel mellow and your turns down the noise in your brain. It's a revolutionary act that is so appropriate at this point. Yeah. You know, to break out of the matrix, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's hard to not make that analogy when trying to explain consciousness to people referencing the matrix it's just it so aptly explains what's going on the scene where morpheus is walking neo through the matrix and showing how people are completely distracted and then he shows him reality is just like this chaotic nature scene right and so much of awakening i think is just realizing the conscious programming that's been there since before you could remember and the societal programming and i don't know if it's necessarily inherently evil to to let's say i'm not sure if the illusion of society reality that we see is evil but it's just ignorance of not knowing the self not knowing life what it really entails it's like being stuck in a video game it is a lot like that yes that's a good analogy it is like being in a video game and you believe it's real so i've had awakenings that have shown me what a bigger reality there is of who i am and what reality is than what i've been brought up to believe and it's been powerful right? just to have those kind of experiences and a lot of people are having those awakenings now it's just the news doesn't talk about it they talk about all the problems and all the challenges but there's mass awakenings going on yeah. our planet and I, I feel like i've dedicated myself to supporting other people in having those kind of awakenings yeah that's why I created the Lightworker Ministry. Yeah, and now with the Lightworker Ministry, did, in the beginning, because God XP, when I started, it was the same idea. I wanted to build community around people discovering the self. And it's like a paradox. At first, the path of the self is so individual that you feel completely alone. And then once you start actually doing the work and you meet more people who are doing the work and helping others, you build your own community around that. Have you had that same kind of experience in starting community yourself? Yes, quite a lot. I've been leading workshops and retreats and teaching going back about 30 years. And so each one of those is like a mini community, like each seminar, each workshop, I was bringing people together for a purpose. And it was always about learning forms of healing. It's just been different kinds over the years. And I've been parts of other kinds of communities that were led by other teachers. And I've really been in many communities now over since, since my youth. And I love it. I think that is the key is people to come together in community because there's one of the statements from one of the great avatars, Jesus, is when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also among you. And I like to break that statement down for anyone who's listening to this, because most people would hear that and half people would just zone out and go, oh, religion, Jesus, I'm, I'm not into religion and I don't want to hear all that dogmatic stuff. But the other half, <laughs> what does that mean? But it's actually a statement of physics when he made that statement. Whoever made that statement, it was attributed to Jesus. When two or more human beings come together, he says, in my name, what does that mean? Not the name Jesus, J-E-S. The name he's talking about is this vibration of the quantum field. It's this infinite vibration of unified holographic consciousness that connects everything. And it could be called the name of God. It's just this pure vibration that exists. And, it, and so to me, what he's really saying is when two or more people tune into this quantum field together, your intentions are greatly amplified and what you can create and what you can experience is, you know, is brought to a higher level instantaneously. So that's to me is the beauty of community that it's comforting and there's, and it's, it's fun, but it also really raises consciousness right. rapidly. Right. Yeah, I never, I never thought of that, but the magnetic, two people coming together increases the electromagnetic frequency, let's say. It multiplies, multiplies it. I can neglect very easily or yeah. underrate or undervalue fellowship and community a lot. And the power in community is multiplied whenever, like you said, when people are able to come together and unify consciousness. So regarding helping uplift consciousness how have you ever had times in your life when you've walked away from being a light worker from helping and taken on a more worldly role or what would be your advice for light workers to carry on their commission you've been doing it for 30 30 years or more right yeah well i feel like each one of us each one of us has 
a job description as a light worker. In fact, that's one of the chapters in my book. It says your light, your job description as a light worker. And it's something that you chose to do before you were born. It's something you signed up for and you came here. And you can also call it your assignment of love. And it's something that you can do literally better than any other person on the planet because it's your specific gift. So I feel like identifying what that job description is, getting clear on it, which some, which to a certain extent means getting past the taboo. Now, the taboo scares a lot of people off from ever knowing what their true purpose is. So they know it to a certain extent, but they may not be seeing in it what it really is in the bigger sense. So I think, first of all, it's, it's discovering what your job description is. And by job description, I don't mean the thing you do nine to five to get paid and pay the rent. It's something that your soul came here that has certain superpowers and certain abilities to do or to, it may not even be doing, it could just be radiating mm -hmm. energy. It could just be holding space. There could be a lot of different job descriptions. And then once you realize what that is, there's actually a process of actually upgrading your body. Many people think enlightenment is just all about the mind, that your mind opens up and you can see more of the spiritual world or have more joy or whatever it is. But to me, it's just as much the body that, that in others we need. You have to get enlightened in a body. It doesn't happen when you're out mm. of a body. Right? So when you have a human body, there's new circuitry that you can build in your body through certain forms of meditation practices and through receiving quantum activations from other people who are able to provide that or in group settings. And so when you upgrade your body and then, and then basically start changing some of your limiting attitudes and clearing out a lot of the old slave consciousness and a lot of the old trauma programming and it's a whole process we're all going through doing this stuff. Then at that point, you become a much more powerful catalyst of change in the world. I mean, I think the beauty of these people like Jesus and Buddha and Kuan Yin is they demonstrated that one human being coming into their avatar power would affect millions and millions of people for long periods mm -hmm. of history. And they didn't come here so that we'd put them on a pedestal go, wow, how cool that is. But to say, no, you guys can do this too. What about it? What Like right now, I don't know how many people, like, do you have a guess? If you were just to guess, how many people do you think there are that are living as avatars now on the planet? I mean, if you were just going to take a while. Yeah, I think yeah. you said something like one in a million. I think it's got to be more rare than that, I think. But I mean, I think we there's many probably people in ascent uh, to their avatar state. And certain moments I feel like I have got it and certain moments I feel completely, let's say, mortal or animal, prime, more primal, let's say. But certain times in my life, I feel a lot closer to the yeah. state than others. Once when I've removed attachments and attachments can show up slowly over months and then I don't realize it until I'm buried in it. But certain times without attachment, I have felt very close to the avatar state. And so I can imagine that there's a lot of people out there floating in the realm of getting into their avatar state in certain moments. And, but yeah, I mean, I gotta say that it's gotta be rare. I see certain amazing humanitarian achievements. And I think that person must be in harmony with their higher consciousness. Yeah. I feel like uh, there's, there are a huge amount of humanitarian people who are doing great work and and poverty and helping with human trafficking and racial rights and working for women's rights. I mean, there's a, and that's so, such an important part of this movement of ascension, but even those people, what they can do is limited by the fact that it's basically, they're still coming from, there's a consciousness of sort of us against them in many cases of polarization. I feel like the more people that are humanitarians who also awaken their avatar self and increase the circuit, spiritual circuitry in their body will find that they're way more effective at what they're doing. And that applies yeah. to all of us. Now, now you said regarding upgrading the body, does this still apply to that? We run out of energy, we run out of mental faculty, or we allow energy leakages through stress, anxiety, even well-intentioned and good do-gooders, well-to-do people are still ignorantly not meeting their potential because of what you said about not investing in that, upgrading their machine, their resources. Yeah, it's like the way the world is set up is that we take one step forward toward improved conditions, then we take one step back. 
you know, that it's, it, and it's like a stalemate going on in many ways, because a lot of the entrenched powers that be that are the controllers on our planet are making right. sure it is that way. And they're putting so much disinformation through medias and so many ways of intimidating people and making sure that anybody that reaches a high political office has to give away a lot of their integrity to get there. And there's, there's so much of that stuff. And I don't want to take all the time to talk about the dark side here so much. But in other words, we have a lot of situations where we see a lot of great things happen toward human rights and toward greater freedom and so on. And then it gets undone in another way. That's what's happening in the United States now. I mean, the whole time I grew up, there was all this great advancements toward human rights and toward rights for gay people and rights for women and increased voting rights and more of a focus on the environment and so much of this. And now there's this huge backlash to try to walk all that back and go back to the time where white supremacy was un unchallenged, yeah. basically. So it's like that push and pull going on. So I think like in order to break out of that one step forward and one step back is going to take more people being in that avatar consciousness, because when that happens and it can trigger like a, a tipping point where things just start changing much more rapidly toward the light and nothing can stop mm -hmm. it at that point. That's my vision. I see that's something we have the opportunity to create right now. I share that mission. I believe that I share that mission as well. Everyone's running around like chickens with their heads cut off, screaming that the sky is falling. But if you and I were born 200, 400 or 1600 years ago, the chaos, disorientation, and confusion would still be there. There's nothing new under the sun. There's anything I've learned from reading history books. And it's the silent operators who know what they're doing here in life, in general, fulfilling their purpose still, getting all the health, wealth, love, and happiness that's offered in this world today, right now. See, the world's not going to end today. You're not going to die today, but the clock is ticking. So what are you going to do to make sure that you get yours? See, only you can save you, and only you can determine why you're really here. This life is a one-player game. No one else is going to be able to save you. So, how are you going to get your health, wealth, love, and happiness? How are you going to squeeze every last drop of existential potential out of this life for you? You might not feel connected to the universe. You might not feel like you have a divine purpose here, but you must want to squeeze every last drop of potential out of your life before you die. And if you do, then I recommend you go to deathmastery.com right now and join the next spiritual fitness camp. This is a concrete way to level up your spirit for you. Self-transformation through active meditation and writing because no one knows what you're going through. No one knows why you're here. But God, the universe, the source, the divine intelligence, whatever you want to call it, this game is between the two of you. There's other spiritual fitness athletes in the community right now, designing their life, clarifying their self-image, and building a concrete roadmap to fulfill their existential potential in this lifetime. Go to deathmastery.com right now and sign yourself up for the next one. They're one week long meditation and writing camps designed to help clarify your life and give you supernatural momentum towards your ultimate goals. Whatever that is for you, health, wealth, love, and happiness. Ultimately, dying like a hero going home. Forget all this nonsense going on in the news, in social media, entertainment. It's all here as an illusion to distract you. That's a part of the game. Are you ready to level up? Wake up from this shit. Quit playing around. Go to deathmastery.com right now. I'll see you on the other side. Right now. I share that mission. I believe that I share that mission as well. And it's all about consciousness. Yeah. I think helping people come to consciousness is... Oh, is really the it's the highest the highest aim i have been able to find and i feel that that the individual consciousness is each one is so precious that when a light worker can affect just one person they can change the universe and so i think coming from you it's good to hear that there's so much optimism for transforming society and because I know that it's very overwhelming for light workers in the beginning. How can I fulfill this role that I have? And how can I fulfill this deep desire that I have to transform consciousness? I think 
the change has to happen on an individual level, one person at a time. And the ability to scale that we have with the internet is so amazing. But if we had more people just trying to help people, individuals on an individual level, I think that that transformation can happen very rapidly. I think the reason I say this is because the humanitarian mindset is very much like, how can we scale transformation and how can we scale help? And uh, so much of what we're called to do on a spiritual level is to just find the self and develop a relationship with the self before we can actually make those transformations in the natural world. So do you find that to be true? And how do you promote people finding the self before trying to change the world? I would say so. Yeah, we have to change ourselves before we can change anyone else. Like anytime you go on an airplane, you're always reminded of that because they say, in case of a oxygen masks, fasten your own mask before you help the person <laughs> yeah. next to you. So <laughs> that's a good analogy. You have to make sure that you are in a place of integrity with your own true self and not, you don't have to be perfect at it, but at least moving in that direction and regularly connecting. And that's why to me, meditation is an absolutely essential need for light workers because it's just like driving in heavy rain. If you don't have your windshield wipers on, you can't really see where you're going and you lose mm. visibility right away. You put your windshield wipers on, you can see. And the moment you turn them off, within seconds, you lose your visibility. So to me, that's what it's like to with meditation. As long as I stay connected with my breath, this is true of anybody. You keep connected with what's real inside of you. Then you have visibility. Mm. It doesn't make all your problems perfect, or it doesn't mean you don't have ups and downs in your life, but you have a reference point of something which is totally real and solid and comforting and gives you a sense of where your own center point is. So I think as long as you're doing that, then you can actually do something useful to really make a difference in the world. So the first step, it always starts within you. And then aside from meditation, every one of us is in a process of clearing old weights out of our subconscious mind and our soul. And there's a, that's part of the healing work I do. I do work called quantum catalyst healing sessions. I do them over zoom or in person in Mill Valley, California. And what I find, and the kind of people drawn to me are usually already healers. Or they're already people that are spiritual teachers or healers or health professionals who are helping people. And they feel they're doing good work, but there's sort of a plateau they've gotten to where they don't feel like they're growing enough or they feel stuck in some way or their own health issues or their own traumas are getting in the way. And what I found is that there's a specific process by which we can identify what those inner burdens are that are usually hidden. These are the kind of things that even psychologists don't recognize that they're usually sort of just unknown, it just makes you feel more weighted down and less happy and just more, you get stressed more easily, or it may manifest as chronic pain issues or depression or getting anxious easily. And there's no obvious solution to it. So to me, when I see that, it's that's what I, it's an old Sanskrit word, samskara. You've heard that word, but samskara means just this inner rut that you get into in your own mind that keep, you keep falling into the same rut over and over again that keeps you from really moving forward in an inspired way in your life and really fulfilling it. And so when I work with people, I find out what those ruts are. I use the term residue-do, the residue-do of the past, and we find out what that is. And then there's ways to use the quantum field to rapidly dissolve those old things so people can feel more free and empowered to move forward. So that's a big part of it is to be doing the inner work so then you actually can make a difference mm. for others. That's amazing. So, so this quantum catalyst healing in the quantum field, how, where... When did that, when did that technique, that power come to you and where did it come from? And could you just explain a little bit about the process or the mechanics of it? Yeah, well, like most people, I've gone through a heck of a lot of my own suffering that led me into wanting to learn to be a healer. And I know in my own childhood, I had this strange situation where I had nice parents who were actually treated me well. I couldn't blame them for, <laughs> but yet I felt very traumatized and weighted down and sort of a low grade, I wouldn't say deep depression, but a low grade mm. depression. And 
I wasn't having much effectiveness and things I was trying to do and frustrated with the girls and frustrated, rejected by a lot of people, like all these difficult And I almost, I felt like I had a mm. mental illness that nobody could diagnose. And my parents even sent me to psychologists and they talked to me, but there was nothing clear from any of that. And eventually, I guess when I got in my teenage years, I started realizing that there's something here there's some reason for this. It's not just something wrong with me, but there's some specific th burden I'm carrying. And but see, on the other hand, when I was very young, I also felt the quantum field. Like even in the midst of that kind of downer childhood, I always felt like there was some kind of field of something mm -hmm. infinite that I was tapped into that made me a little more cheerful, I guess, even though I was having a very hard time mm -hmm. in many ways. So to move forward a little bit, it was my own inner pain that really drove me to go to India when I was a teenager and study with gurus at a very young age and move into ashrams and live in celibacy and do a lot of things I did at a young age that very few people did in those days. Lots of meditation, lots of practices. And then eventually I started learning from different teachers, different clearing methods, like many other teachers taught me ways of lightening up mm. emotional burdens or, or healing trauma. And I, and I, then I went into the field of acupuncture and learned about how to work with more like physical pain, chronic pain, and working with the diseases of the body. And so I had so much input from so many medical scientific studying quantum physics from all these spiritual teachers from different parts of the world. And one of my superpowers, because I know we all have superpowers is to be a very good integrator. I can take all this information in from all these sources and it goes inside and then it's just like a, a, something that is clear and able to be taught to other people mm, comes out mm. that kind of, but I think this kind of quantum catalyst healing really started gelling for me, maybe just about five or six years ago. And I, it just was like, I went through some big awakenings then, and I was able to start doing something that was different than I'd learned from all these teachers that they all like bits of all that was in there, but it was like my own system that I was getting directly from you know, the divine. That's amazing. And what a lot of it consists of is empowering other people. It's not about me trying to be their healer. It's about creating a situation where they're able to take back their own power to, to be happy and to lighten themselves up and to find out what their own superpowers and their abilities so are. Awesome. And that to me is one of the best forms of healing is fulfilling yourself moving out of problem consciousness. That's so good. That's so awesome. Yeah, no, that's super fascinating. The spiritual healer has a obligation or responsibility to choose what methodology resonates with them the best and what they, where we are in a field that is as old as human consciousness, basically. There's always been spiritual healers from the very beginning. And so to enter the world and feel completely new and then to try to discover your not only your purpose, but then the techniques and the methodologies by which you will fulfill that purpose. It's no light, it's no small decision to make. So I'm always curious as to how healers land on their modality. And it's always, it's always interesting because it, it requires a lot of self con or confidence in what you're doing and in the, in your, uh, your commission. And so it's very interesting to hear quantum catalyst healing. That's, that's really, it sounds to me like tapping into the quantum field, accessing the quantum field gives you an opportunity to transform without the requirements of time and space. It allows you to see your problem or to see consciousness, reality from another perspective, another dimension, allowing you to, without the burden of the timeline of your life, see where you are and see where you could be and all that in a synthesized experience. I think the quantum field is the most, it sounds the most tangible for the human mind to grasp is so what's, where is God? Where is infinity? The, it's a gift to understand the quantum field. Now, how close am I in my understanding, my description there? You're right on. Okay, good. It's just because that's my rote understanding. So I'm curious as like how much people out there will also understand and if that's just like the layman understanding. Well, I'd like to make it really simple for people is that just think about the feeling of feeling good. Just like, you know, maybe just think of a time when you were just feeling good, you know, not necessarily with drugs and alcohol or anything, but just yourself, just being yourself, just feeling good. 
hanging out. That is the quantum field. You see, it's not some far off psychedelic, bizarre thing that you have to attain in the future. It's right mm -hmm. here and now, and you've known it all your life. It's just that we haven't been, see, I, one of my favorite phrases, they should have taught it yeah. in kindergarten. <laughs> like in, back in kindergarten, they should have people talking about the quantum field. Like these kids are naturals. They're all natural little yogis. They're born in the quantum field. They, they're, they don't feel all these. When we were babies, we had an open consciousness. And then what happens is after maybe sometime in the first year of life, all those samskaras and all that karma from the past eventually catches up with you. And, oh God, then they go into the terrible twos and start acting out and everything because it's like, this feels mm -hmm. like crap. Do I have to do this yeah. again? <laughs> but when we're first born, we're in that pure consciousness. And I know my daughter talked about her imaginary friends and different things she could see and feel. And fortunately, I was a parent that encouraged her to do that. I didn't say, oh, that's just your imagination. I said, no, this is good stuff. Go into it. I like pay attention to it. And so, so I feel like it's something that's already, we already have it, but we have to take the layers of forgetfulness and denial. And like, even the word woo woo, you mentioned that word earlier in the discussion. I, that's one of my pet discussions is that what do people really mean when they say something's woo woo? Just break it down a moment. To me, what they're really saying is you are breaking the taboo and talking about being with your mm. true self. And that's not okay. I'm going to ridicule yeah. you for that a little bit by calling it woo-woo. Yeah. It's like the pecking yeah. order. I'm woo-woo and I'm yeah. proud. Me too. I find that my own biases, my own prejudices are never rooted in knowledge. They're always rooted in ignorance. And no matter how enlightened I get, I always have prejudices or I'm like, oh, that's this is good, but that's not good. Or this is enlightening, but that's not enlightening. And those prejudices are the illusion. That That is the delusion. That's just ignorance. It's just not understanding what, what where God is in that thing. Because like you said, it's everywhere. It's everything manifest is God. And so to not find enlightenment in a piece of paper is just your own ignorance. The yeah. more you can realize God in everything, the more you will know and feel enlightened by everything. So... I find that it is the probably the challenge of life because even knowing that I still struggle with my own ignorance and my own bias. It's just a part of being an individualized consciousness. I well, something I like to say to that, Anthony, is that when you say you struggle with those ignorances, I'd like to reframe that in a slightly different way, is that you are, and all of us are multidimensional beings. Hmm. So what that means is that there's, if you think of a diamond that's cut in a diamond ring, there's all these different facets like that, that are different faces of it, right? So you can think that's what it's like to be multidimensional. You have all these facets of yourself and each one's different dimensional aspect of you. And so the part of you that has though the ignorance or whatever it is, that's just one facet of you. And there's already a part of you that's in total enlightenment, God consciousness, that's another facet, then there's another facet that's living in some other dimension where maybe you're in a different experience, totally doing something else. And like, they all exist. And what that's one of the things of spiritual awakening is you learn to be aware of all those facets and not necessarily be identified mm. with them so much as they're just part of the human experience. And I remember reading the, these books by Carlos Castaneda back a long time ago, where the teachings of Don Juan, and he, he was a shaman from Mexico, and he talked a lot about when Don Juan's teaching was that a man of knowledge can just shift, he called it the assemblage point, can shift his assemblage point, which is like how you're viewing reality, and just go to these other dimensions and just experience any these, experience all these different worlds. And because you're master of them all, you're not just stuck in this one and saying, mm -hmm. this is reality. So I think we're all, that's part of the awakening we're all going through, just seeing that there's, you know, many, many more ways to see things. That's so awesome. That's so good. I have uh, a s s expression. I don't remember who says it, that comes to mind that you're as, you are as close to God as you think it, like as close as you think you are to God is how close you are. You are the consciousness with witnessing the closeness or the distance. So by being, by choose the will, the mental will is the ability to choose your level of consciousness. And that might be a difficult realization, but once you practice it, then I can totally see, I've had that experience as well of just being really down 
and then just willing myself up and willing myself to basically God consciousness, being with God, you can choose it in any moment, just surrender, right? Surrendering the ego to, to the moment. Yeah. And is it okay if we do a bit of an experiential exercise right now for a moment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, because talking about something is one thing, but how about just being in it? So I invite anybody who's listening to this podcast right now to join with us because, again, this is beyond time and space. That's one of the things about the quantum field. It's not limited by time and space. So even though you might be listening to it sometime in the future, there's no separation and whatever geographical distance. In, now, there is a separation in our bodies and our minds. We're talking in terms of this quantum field. So I'm going to suggest a few very simple practices. These are right in the beginning of my book, Awakening the Avatar Within, in the chapter in the beginning called Getting Started. It goes through these, I call them foundational practices. And this is, I just want to show you how powerful this is and how simple it is. So just start by noticing how you're feeling now. And whoever's listening, just notice how you're feeling. Like what's your energy level? What's your mood? If you have any health issues you're dealing with or any pain issues, just notice right now in this moment, how you're perceiving that. And what's useful is look at them on a scale of one to 10. Like you could say my mood right now, 10 would be blissful, joyful, just like totally happy. One would be deeply depressed. So let's say on that continuum, where are you now? Just if you're honest with yourself, just choose a number. Okay. If you're having any symptom of any disease or pain, just say the worst it ever is 10 and one is hardly anything. So where am I on that? And maybe it just, if you have a paper, just write that down a moment or type it into your digital device. Just notice, okay, here, here's a snapshot of where I am now. Okay, so now I'm going to lead you through these very simple foundational practices, and you can see how those symptoms change. This is a form of quantum healing, by the way. So the first thing is called a purity blast. Is that because there is a lot of different kinds of lower vibrational energies that can attach themselves to us or can influence us and it may not even be individual. It could just be through the mass consciousness, like just because you're empathic and you're picking up on the pain of the world or some people you were just with or your, your girlfriend who's grieving or whatever it is. So whatever that is, just what I like to do is put my hand up in the air like this, just make my right hand up and just say, I now command a purity blast. And when I say that, I just imagine like a whirlpool or like a tornado of golden light just coming from the highest spiritual source and just whoosh, just whooshes through your field, clears whatever room you're in, whatever you're sitting on. And it just happens instantaneously. Okay. I notice a shift just mm. from doing that. And I feel a little bit different just from that. Then the next step would be to call all of your energy back into your body. Cause again, we don't, Part of the slave state that we're in is that our energy is dispersed much more than we realize and it weakens us and it makes us more scattered and more overwhelmed and more easy to be anxious or depressed and your mind starts racing more and we can actually change that all you have to do is say i now call all of my energy from anyone or any place i've projected it onto back into mm -hmm. my own body i now call all my just energy say it with authority and my feel own it. body Okay. And just notice how that feels. Okay. And then of some of that energy, you just called back in your body intend or will that some of it go down your legs into the earth. So wherever the dirt is underneath you, like how far down you have to go to get to the earth, whether you're on the, out on, out in the earth, or if you're up on a high part of a building, it doesn't matter. There's still earth under you. Just you imagine that some of that energy is going into the earth and grounding you it's instantaneously, just like that. And then put the tip of your tongue on the top of your mouth, right behind your two front upper teeth. So you find the back of your two front upper teeth and then go slightly back from that and park your tongue there very lightly, feel the energy there. And then just breathe in your lower abdomen, take some deep breaths, nice relaxed way and just let your body relax as much as possible. Keep your tongue in that position, keep breathing. The sense of being grounded, your energy's back in your body as much and then the final step is to choose love. You just say, I now tune into loving presence. Mm -hmm. Put your attention more around the heart area and think of your dog or your daughter or your girlfriend or Buddha or whatever it is that does it for you to make a feeling of love. And that's it. That's called the foundational practices. They're very simple. And 
if you're not explaining them, you can do them all at the same time in about 15 mm -hmm. seconds. Ah, oh, that feels good. So let's just take two or three breaths in this place. Yeah. And I think too, if anybody wrote down a number of how you were feeling before, just take another check now of how your mood is or how your energy level is or how any symptoms of pain or disease are and see if there's any difference. Yeah. I know I personally was feeling tired when we started this you know, recording this today because of, I've been doing a lot of things lately and I was out doing salsa dancing till <laughs> late at night. Nice. <laughs> all these kinds of things. If I noticed I feel more energized, more mm -hmm. balanced and just from doing that little thing. I hope yeah, it I felt, you too. I felt weight in my shoulders. I drank coffee without anything in my stomach. So I was a little nauseous and I wrote a six yeah. down and uh, the, even just the first purity blast that I immediately felt relief. And then the second part of calling the energy back that really restored, took the weight off my shoulders made me feel good in my stomach just uh, and then the drawing drawing the energy to your heart space and just that's something i constantly neglect or don't or take for granted but just cultivating that sense of love before i speak to people and before i'm in the moment just remembering to to cultivate love in my heart for my brother for my sister that's uh, it feels amazing that's the power of having techniques most people want this feeling or want this ability but you need techniques to practice, to have a practice. Yeah. So the, that avatar book I wrote is full of practices because that's just the kind of books I write. Like I've written four books and they're all four of them are full of practices. None of them are just philosophies or narratives. I mean, those can be good books too, but it's just not. So they all tell you how you do these things. So every chapter in the waking, the avatar book gives you a practice or a meditation to get into the experience of it. And then in the back, there's a whole section of practices. And these are the ones that after I say 30 years of, you know, being with so many different gurus and teachers and everything, these are the ones I find really work for me and are simple and easy to teach and easy to communicate. Yeah. yeah I think for, for people listening, it's really easy in the beginning to want to adopt practices and to start teaching it right away. But it sounds to me like you got a lot of teaching and you have let a lot of techniques slide. You've let a lot of t teachings just be a personal teaching and you've picked select techniques to teach that you feel most comfortable with. Now, is that because you felt more authority to share certain techniques over others or just because the ones that resonated with you, you kept and, and that's just been a smaller collection. How would you speak to the pull to adopt someone else's technique and then knowing when the right time is to adopt the technique and integrate it into your life and then share it with others? Yeah. Well, I do work with a lot of people. I lead a lot of classes. I work a lot of private clients and I've taught a lot. So I'm able to observe other people's reactions to these practices. And I've, I've done, I've introduced a lot of practices to people where they just sort of seem eh, like they didn't really get it, or it was too difficult for them to concentrate, or it was too complicated or so those are the ones I've let go. And the ones where <clears throat> I personally get great benefit from them. I see, I like practices. I'm a busy guy. Like I do sit down to meditate every day. I feel like that's really important to me, but I not as much as I would like to, because I'm doing right. a lot of things and take a lot of time. So I like practices that can actually keep me in the awareness of love in the quantum field and while I'm doing whatever mm -hmm. I'm doing. But, but I will say, I think having that time to actually sit down and close your eyes and, and block out the world is also really important. And even if you do it for five minutes, it's worth so much more than not yeah. doing it at all. So I'd say I'd really encourage people to, to adopt that as a value because in other words, the word value indicates something that you can take to the bank that, that you can do something with. There's another word called virtue and virtue is something that you build up in yourself as you meditate, as you're kind to other people, as you're loving, as you do your inner healing work, you build up virtue and the more virtue you have, the more powerful you are and the more of a change you can make in the world and kinds of, and also the more money that comes to you. And one, one in the Kabbalah, which is St. Ancient Jewish teachings and esoteric teachings, they, I read this one Kabbalah teaching that said that money is the material manifestation of spiritual virtue. And that, in other words, the more virtue you build up, the more easily you attract wow. money. So one, one reason a lot of people really are struggling for money so much, there's two main reasons, I think. And there's actually a whole chapter in my avatar book about money and virtue that you might find very interesting. But the, to sum it up, it's that 
the two main reasons people struggle financially is first of all, lack of self-worth and just negative beliefs about money, that people believe money's bad or only evil people have money, or that if you have money, it'll corrupt you or like things you might've heard growing up or whatever it is. That's one reason is you just don't, you don't want it. Some part of you is rejecting money. And then the second reason would be not having built up enough virtue. You know, if you're still basically like wanting to just take things for yourself and you haven't yet opened the heart because the heart chakra is the part of you that actually manifests money. So the more open your heart chakra is, the more easily mm. it comes to you. <clears throat> now, one thing I talk about in that book is people say, well, if that's true, that virtue turns into money, then why is it that so many really seemingly bad people have so much money? People that are destroying the environment and are doing a lot of things that are like greedy and I do have a, uh, an answer to that in the book. I don't want to take a lot of time now for it, but the short version is just that even people that seem to be doing a lot of bad things now who are having a million billionaires at one time, their soul did create mm. a lot of virtue. And that's one reason maybe they're not living it anymore, but at one point, maybe in their past lifetimes or their ancestry or somehow they did create the virtue. And then maybe now they're just, for, they've forgotten about it and they're just more in the yeah. cake method. So. Again, that's part of the awakening too. We need politicians and wealthy people and corporate owners, military people that are actually virtuous yeah, people. Yeah. And that's, we've gotten too far Absolutely. away from that. I think that's like a, the light workers call is to be that role model of just, this is how it could be done in a righteous way. If you wanted to do it in, as a good yeah. guy, here's how you could do it, you know? And it is, it's the ultimate challenge because it's the difficult, the, a difficult path to go the hard way, make your way to the top of your own mountain let's say. But uh, yeah, I think that's a big problem that people have with money is they see guys like billionaire tycoon guys and think, I don't want to be like them or how could they, how could God reward them for their materialness or, or what have you. But uh, I tend to look at billionaires with a lot more compassion because I know what I want, what good I want to do in the world. And that with resources, I could do those things with more resources. I could scale the good I could do. And uh, I have to believe that people with massive success are also in that same belief. Even if they might not be manifesting it, I think a lot of people, even billionaires, want to do good and think that they are doing good, even if they're not. And I think we all deserve that chance. And to, do, to hate money or to hate the fruits of it is to alienate yourself from ever having that opportunity. At very least, that's at very least one way to look at it. Yeah, it's a big subject. So, so I really believe that light workers should be powerful people, should be abundant people, should, that, that we, there's nothing stopping us from that. And that what, if you have old attitudes like money's bad, or I should keep a very low profile, or it's not safe to be seen in public. I mean, these are such common feelings that light yeah. workers have, and there's reasons for all those. And there's reasons why we have those, but it's just, this is a good time to break yeah. out of those. Yeah. And that because we're the ones that really are going to be able to bring in this new ascended state. And it's when we come together and do it. So and it takes resources. It takes money. It takes time. It takes being healthy, having a healthy body. It takes all these things. So I know I'm committed to being all that as much as I can and, and help others too. Yeah. And I, that's what I love about your mission. And I try to find the, the light workers who are genuinely expressing as much practical advice as possible. I, I believe that everyone has the potential. Every individual has the potential for unified consciousness. And there's a practical approach to your spiritual walk, to your spiritual life. And so I honor you for your work and the work that you do in trying to help people. Say it loud. And woo -woo and proud. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yes. So the, the science of spirituality, that's something that interests a lot of people. How can we uh, tangibly understand what's going on. And I believe that you're doing great work in that path, in that direction with the quantum healing and with your Lightwork ministry. Why don't you give a plug for your Lightwork ministry community that you're building so that we can know more about exactly what it is you guys are doing? Well, thank you for that invitation. Yeah, this is a relatively new project. I just started making the website about a year ago with some talented people helping me put it all together. <clears throat> and it's lightworkerministry.com, like L-I-G-H-T, and work with E-R at the end, worker, lightworkerministry.com. And there's a lot of really good resources on this website for, if you're tuned into the kind of things we've been talking about, you'll love this website because it's unique. There's nothing like it out there. And 
it is actually a church. I actually registered as a church in the state of Washington, not because I want to be part of a religion in the traditional sense, but because churches have a lot of protections. There's a, in this country, there's a lot of legal and financial protections for churches and it opens up a lot of opportunities. And it's something that is people of any religious or spiritual background can be in it. It's really a set of resources to help you to literally claim your superpowers that I've been talking about to remove some of those old blockages or weights or some scars that have been holding you back. It's a community and we have every other week, there's a Zoom conference that goes for about 75 minutes called the Lightworker Awakening and Empowerment Conference. And it happens each, every other Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. And we're having one, uh, of course, uh, well, it won't matter next week because this podcast won't be released for a little while. But anyway, you can find the schedule of those on the Lightworker Ministry website. And then there's different ways. If you have a project you're working on, Lightworker Project or an enlightened business you're working on, you want to connect with other people who are Lightworkers, there's resources for that. There's also ways that we are doing planetary healing. One of the pages on that website has a map of the world and a map of the United States. And what we do is we mark certain areas that need a lot of prayer and need a lot of light energy. And then we just ask members just to send their light there and to put their attention there, send their love there. And this has been proven to have powerful effects at changing things like droughts and wildfires and reducing the murder rate in places. So there's that. And then there's also courses on this website where you can actually learn to be a healer, learn to be a quantum healer. And some of them are very brief and some of them are much more involved in certification. So there's a lot there. And it's relatively new. I mean, really, this is just was just officially launched about two months ago. So it's a really happening thing. And I that's awesome. I'm looking forward to checking it out. And I wish you all the best. I, I bless your mission and the website itself and the community. That's amazing. So one thing I like to do on the show is just ask the guest if you had to give advice to someone who's reached a dead end, they're in the dead end right now in their life. They don't have anywhere to turn. They don't want to turn. And uh, they're just listening to this show as a last ditch effort. Your one advice to that person, say you're in an elevator with them, what would that be? My advice would be to know your life is precious, regardless of how it seems to you right now, that you have a great gift. I acknowledge that you're having a hard time right now, but it's really worth opening this gift of who you are. And it's worth going through whatever it takes to get through this. And I would certainly say that there's a lot of help for you because when you get stuck and you're at the end, like you said, you feel like it's a last ditch time. You know, people can think about killing themselves or about just obliterating themselves with drugs and alcohol or whatever the case is or self-destructive things is that just really reach out for help. Just find people that you feel are holding a vibration of light that feel like they're coming from a, a good place and just simply say, I need some help. I need some support. Because all of us who are holding a high vibration of light at times have been like you <clears throat> and somebody helped us. I mean, many people helped me to get to where I'm at. And, and so that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I just say, believe, just don't give up the vision that you, are, your life is very precious and it's worth doing whatever it takes to clear yourself so that you can enjoy that and make your contribution. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Hey, Darren, one last piece of advice, if you could yeah. give me any advice. So I would love to, to live a full life of serving God, my highest potential. What's your advice for me so that I can remain on this road, on the narrow road of the self and to make it all the way to the end? I've been doing this for, well, I'm 30 now. I started, I suppose I started when I was 11, but I really started when I was about 25. So yeah. how would you, what advice do you have for 30 year old Darren? Well, I would say to really trust and honor yourself. It's not that much different than the guy I said who's at the who's at the bitter end. I mean, it's just believe in yourself because like well, here you are. You're obviously doing your purpose. You're bringing all these people together and spreading this kind of high level information. And, and just know that slave self in you is not really your truth. Whatever, because all of us in the earth are still to one extent or another affected by that. Maybe there's a few people that have totally freed themselves, but most people are still largely affected. So just don't listen to the pretender voices that are of self doubt, because that's one of the things pretend they're called pretender voices because they're not real. You hear them in your mind and they tell you, 
you know, that, oh, you're not good enough. You're not doing enough. Like you're, you're limited. You're not as, and just know that those are just total illusions and that you gain strength and power by discriminating to not give your power to those illusions and just keep doing what you're inspired to do. And I feel like you have a lot of consciousness to share and it's going to open up more and more. So take the risks to take the steps that like when you hear a little something comes into you that tells you to do something and it feels inspiring. It's not like a dark voice in a schizophrenic saying, go jump off a cliff. Those are not the kind of voices to listen to, but it's more like a voice that's inspiring you and showing you a vision. It's worth really trusting that and taking some risks to do what it's telling you to do because a lot of growth happens. That's when amazing. You do that. Take risks to the higher. I say also read my book. Another thing I just say, I've put so much of my best advice and resources in that book, Awakening the Avatar Within. So I would, I know you have a copy of this. I'd recommend just reading it, doing the practices, find out what in there. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. And the book is so, this podcast has been so enlightening. I'm looking forward to diving into the book and I already know that it's going to bless me, bless everyone who reads it. I definitely recommend everyone pick it up. Is Amazon the best place to do that, Darren? Amazon at this point is Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Either one um, carries it. Darren, I really appreciate our conversation. It's been insightful, enlightening, profound, and see you as a divine brother. And I want to keep in touch with you. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's good to meet you, Anthony. It's good to know somebody to meet. You're a young person compared to me. And just to see the work you're doing, it does my heart well. I appreciate it. It's been a blessing. And uh, let's stay in touch. Let's keep up. In six months, we'll have you back. Okay. And yeah, whenever you get this posted, let me know and I'll help spread I will. The word. Ladies and gentlemen, Darren Starwin, follow him, go to lightworkingministry.com, follow him on social media everywhere. Okay. Thank you. Have a good weekend. If you enjoyed that podcast episode, you're most likely going to love the next one. So why don't you go to podcast.godxp.com and subscribe on your favorite platform. Curious about what else is going on at GodXP? Go to godxp.com today. I'll see you there.